You know the vibes. Welcome back to another episode of the Hoop Genius Podcast brought to you by NBA 2K23. I am Momo Uzi alongside, as always, the one, the only, Mr. BJ Armstrong. Real name, no gimmicks. You know it. Here we are, BJ. We've just had game one of the Western Conference semifinals in the books between the Denver Nuggets and the Phoenix Suns. And what a game it was. You know, we were all worried about Denver's defense. We forgot to worry about Phoenix's defense as they took a beating 125 to 107. Denver takes a 1-0 series lead. We're going to break that down for you. And then we're going to talk about tonight's matchups as we've got a game one and a game seven. So this game, BJ, we saw Jamal Murray continue his dominance. 34 points in the win. He just is in a Jimmy Butler-esque fashion, seems to elevate his game in the biggest moments when the pressure is on in the NBA playoffs. A lot of people tried to say it was just in the NBA bubble, but he's proving that the bubble was not a fluke. He's out here balling out. Nikola Jokic finished with 24 points and more importantly, 19 rebounds. Now, the Joker went 9 of 21 from the floor, 42.9%. Now, usually that's a decent night for anyone, but for the Joker, that's a very inefficient night. So he didn't have his best shooting game. He's usually a lot more efficient than that. But he pulled down 19 boards um, as he essentially humiliated the Phoenix Suns. The Phoenix Suns as a team had 41 rebounds. The Nuggets had 58, right? DeAndre Ayton pulled down seven boards to go along with 14 points. High man for the Suns was Kevin Durant with 29 points. Devin Booker had 27. Chris Paul chipped in with 11 points. And um, not much else in terms of the depth of the squad, which was unfortunate to see. So what are your key takeaways from this matchup? The uh, statement game one from Denver. Well, I, I thought in the first quarter, you know, you saw some things that Phoenix, you know, kind of kind of showed and kind of brought off the menu of what they could do. However, the second quarter, and in particular, the 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 shooting, three-point shooting of the Denver Nuggets proved tonight to be the uh, the difference in the game. I thought they shot the ball very well, in particular Jamal Murray. Um, there was a huge, I think Phoenix only made about seven threes for the entire game. Yeah, and, and like and that, two or three of them were in garbage time. So at the point where Jamal yeah. Murray got subbed out because they were up so big, he had more threes made than the entire Phoenix Suns roster. Uh, that, that Three-point shooting proved to be the difference. Now, no excuses, um, but it's a, it's always a concern. And, 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 you have to know this coming into Denver. And I think that's why the coaching staff elected to come there early because mm -hmm. of the conditioning there. I mean, it's a, it's a real thing. I, I, I always go back to the very first time I played in Denver, you know, I had heard about it. Yeah, whatever. And then you go there and it's like, you have been, you, I mean, it's it's a it's a real thing, the conditioning part. So, what do what do you, you know, say? Like, you usually say it's like there's glass in your lungs or something. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it feels like razor blades. It's <laughs> when you're breathing, it just hurts. Okay, I can't tell you how bad it hurts. Now, I understand why they why they got there Thursday night. They, I mean, because everyone knows this. It's not an excuse. You don't make any excuses, but you have to adjust to it. So, and, it, and now they've been there for. It's tough, not just for road teams, but Nuggets players. I heard Bones Highland the other day say that it's tough even for the Nuggets when they've been on a road trip to come home and get reacclimated to it. It takes a couple of days to settle back in. I, I would imagine. I haven't played there, but it's a real thing. So I get it. 
normally you don't see teams leave two days beforehand, but you want to you want to get acclimated to it as quickly as possible. So by the second half, you could really see the difference. To me, the energy level of Phoenix was just it just got worse and worse as the game went on. Now, give give Denver credit. They played terrific. However, um, you know, it's, it's just is what it is. It, it's, it can it's, be a real it, it could be it, it could be a, a very positive thing for the home team. It's not just that as well. It's because the Phoenix starters had to play so many minutes in the first round to get past the Clippers. You know, tonight they had a little reduction in their minutes because they managed to sit on the bench for the fast, last five because they were getting blown out. Um, but KD still played 36. Devin Booker still played 40 minutes. Chris Paul only played 32. As the series wears on, not only do you have to deal with the altitude of playing in Denver who have the home court advantage, you also have to deal with, okay, who can we bring in to impact the game to get our stars a rest that they need? Because, you know, for um, for Denver, they had Bruce Brown come off the bench with 14. They had Uncle Jeff, Jeff Green come in and he made some contributions. They had guys coming in uh, while Jokic got a chance to rest on the bench. Now, the big problem for Denver all season long they would get decimated in the minutes where Jokic wasn't playing. But tonight, they held it down in the first quarter in the minutes that Jokic wasn't there uh, by having Jeff Green at the five and switching everything on defense. But in the second quarter, they in fact extended their lead even though Jokic wasn't in the game. So the depth of Denver really stepping up, a lot in part was Jamal Murray and the way the rotations went, Jamal Murray carrying the offensive load. But guys like Aaron Gordon stepping up. Aaron Gordon finished the game with 23 points. Um, and if you can get 20 points tonight from Aaron Gordon, that's fantastic. Michael Porter Jr., had a very quiet night by his standards, only 11 points in the game. But then there's KCP who added 10 and Bruce Brown added 14. So they had the the scoring load was kind of distributed as well in the minutes where their stars were getting a rest. Devil were doing a great job of like pushing the ball in transition as well, coming up with some steals. Bruce Brown obviously played with KD in Brooklyn, so he must know a thing or two because he got a couple steals on KD, which we saw led to easy fast break chances for the Denver Nuggets. Um, should I tell you my favorite thing that I saw in this game? Uh, the start of the second half obviously Denver's got a big lead but they did not start the second half in the right way and about 30 seconds in Mike Malone calls a timeout and he said to his team come on guys let's focus here let's not take our eye off the ball because we all know in the modern NBA with uh, three point shooting variants even though the Suns didn't take a lot of threes we'll talk about that in a sec um, a lead is never safe in the NBA anymore so him calling that timeout early getting his team back on back on job and the Denver Nuggets run away with it on a night Nick Jokic didn't really dominate so Talk about a three-point shooting. The Suns only attempted... Um, the guy has like, like 24 and 19 and he didn't really dominate. <laughs> it, compared to his usual efficiency, I mean, like, that was a bad shooting night for him. On a, I'm any just other, messing with you, man. On <laughs> any other night, though... He only had 24, 40. 19, 40. and 5. Hey, 24, 19, and 5. But, you know what? Okay. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> on any other night, that's 40. But, but the Suns only put up 23 three-point shots as a team. Now, we know they're a squad that loves to attack in the mid-range primarily. Do you think that's something they're going to have to adjust to as the series moves forward? Well, it's just going to have to find a rhythm. And, you know, when you play in Denver, I, I'll just say it. When you play in Denver, you you you, you got to expect this. I'm telling you, when you play in the regular season, I don't know how you do it. You just, what we, every team I was on when I played on the Eastern Conference, normally you have guys play eight to 10, maybe eight to 12 minute stretches. When you play in Denver, you would cut that to four to six max. Wow. Now it, it, that's how significant. And I, that that's a real thing. So 
my first time there, I would always ask the coaches to sub me out at like the eight minute mark as a starter. Why? Because I couldn't go, I couldn't go longer than like four minutes. And I, and I always felt I was in great shape, but I couldn't. Now, second half, you get a second win, you start to adjust and hopefully the game was close, but I've never ever had success in Denver. <laughs> okay. That's just one of those games that I've always known. Even when I played in the Western conference, it was the same. And so, you know what? Okay. You get this one. However, I think their next game, they should be a little better. And, and, and if you could just cut this, you know, that second quarter down a little bit, um, you know, and just kind of keep it close, you'll give yourself a chance. But Denver played terrific. You know, taking nothing away from Denver. Jamal Murray was excellent. The bench, Jokic, you know what? And uh, they deserved the win. They were the better team here this evening. DeAndre Ayton refers to himself as dominating, but he was far from dominant tonight as there were many possessions where the Denver Nuggets were just crushing them on the offensive glass. And that started early on in the first. Uh, there were some possessions where he was literally just stood and watched as Nikola Jokic went and got boards. And, you know, even Devin Booker, there were some possessions where KCP got back-to-back -back open threes because he was ball-watching and helping off a shooter that he might have been able to get away with against the Clippers, but can't do that here against this Denver squad. Uh, how does... Phoenix addressed their rebounding problem because they got out-rebounded tonight. I think it was... Um... This is what Phoenix needs to do. Phoenix needs to just blow that game out, don't look at the film, and come out and say, you know what? How how can we adjust to this altitude? I, look, they were ball-watching because so, so they were tired. You think the biggest reason for them losing is the altitude difference playing in Denver? It's a real thing. Absolutely. I'm not making an excuse for them. But it's a real thing. But it is an excuse. Like, like they it, lost. No, it's not an excuse. You you go there and you play. You want to do it. You just can't. It's as simple as that. Well, like, is that you, everyone it, can is do that it. something? Can. Is that something then that is gonna get easier as the se as the series goes on? You because have to adjust. You're used to you're being have there. To adjust. But you've been there since Thursday. Tonight, Saturday night. You've had Thursday, you get there Friday. Thursday. So let's think about it. You get there Thursday. They just finished their series win Tuesday or something. Um, yeah, they finished a while yeah, ago. Yeah, okay, they finished on Tuesday or whatever they did. They went. They finished in L.A. They had to go back home to Phoenix. You know, these guys aren't these guys aren't machines. Believe it or not, all that travel takes a toll. Yeah, but what so I'm saying, these is, guys are in their thirties. What I'm what I'm saying so is, what are you saying? they got there on Thursday. They had Friday to prepare, and Saturday night comes along game day. Okay, they now only have one day off before the next game. So, okay, my question is, will they even have a chance to get adjusted to the altitude? You got to do the best because, you can because you, the game is so soon. You you do the best you can. You get there. He got there Thursday, saying, "I just want to get these guys adjusted." I want to get them, whether it's a practice, a walkthrough, whatever they did on Friday, game plan, whatever they needed to do, got there Thursday, little something Friday, maybe a little shoot around today, maybe, maybe, maybe because of the game was so early, it was a 5.30 game, or, well, 7.30 out there, so maybe they had a shoot around, and it's here. You get the guys 35, 36 minutes, and then you say, you know what? Okay, guys, we should be a little better for the next game, whenever the next game is. What's today, Saturday? When is the next game? Monday, Tuesday, or something Monday, like it's that? It's on Monday. It's on okay. Monday. And now, Monday, you should be a little better. So it's, it, that's all you can do. It, it 
we can talk about it. It is what it is. Every Denver understands that. That's their home advantage. They have an advantage. They understand it. However, these guys are well-conditioned athletes, and they will adjust. All right, it doesn't mean you're going to win, but you need to get adjusted to it. And I expect them to put a better effort together in game two and then go home and then maybe you come back and see. They got to win one there anyway. So they got three more. Hopefully they'll have three more chances to do it. Okay. Um, Let's talk about tonight's games because we've got two great games um, lined up for tonight. We've got starting at 6 p.m. UK time. We have the Miami Heat traveling to Madison Square Garden for a matchup against the New York Knicks, which nobody in the world predicted. How are you looking at this game one? What are the key points of emphasis you're going to be looking at, you know, as this one goes on? Well, you know, there's no, there's no if, ands, buts about it. Both of these teams, you know, Miami is playing terrific, but the Knicks are playing terrific. You know, it'd be interesting to see the health of Julius Randle, whether he's going to play or not. But the New York Knicks have been playing terrific. Now, two of the better players thus far in the postseason have been Jalen Brunson for the Knicks and 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 uh, Jimmy Butler for the Miami Heat. I mean, they've been the two of the top three players in the entire playoffs. So I think this is gonna this is shaping up to be a very competitive matchup. Both teams are very tough teams, and. You know, even though Miami's a little underhanded right now, they're a little, sh- they're short, they're shorthanded, mm-hmm. we should say. I think the Knicks have an excellent chance to advance. I'm going to pick the Knicks in this series just because they have the depth. Their depth, I think. And how many games? Yeah, I think they, I think this goes six, six or seven. Um, but I think the Knicks, because of their depth, they, sh- of their depth, they should be able to find a way to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, you know, missing Tyler Hero, missing Victor Oladipo. And I think the bigs, I think the bigs of the Knicks has the potential to really, you know, I you know, I I like I I like Mitchell Robinson and Julius Randle, especially if you know if, he if Randall's healthy, yeah. Yeah, you know, and those guys, Obi Toppin against Kevin Love and 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 Bam out of Bayou. So, and after that, they really have no size. So I think the Knicks should be able to at least slow down Jimmy Butler. I expect them to do, have some, have different defensive looks, unlike he had in Milwaukee. And I think they should be able to win this series. I don't think they go in five or anything. I think it goes six, potentially seven, but overall I expect the Knicks, or I think the Knicks have a good chance of advancing to the uh, conference finals. Yeah. Head coach of the New York Knicks, Tom Thibodeau knows a thing or two about Jimmy Butler having coached him during his time at the Chicago Bulls. So he may have some level of insight there. What you said about the big man, I completely agree with the way that they dominated Jared Allen and Evan Mobley in the previous round. They're now going up against the front line of Bam Adebayo, Kevin Love, and what is it? Cody Zeller coming off the bench. Um, so they should win that battle on the inside in terms of controlling the boards. Um, and obviously missing Hero, you got away with it against Milwaukee. I don't know how much that will factor in into this. It's also going to be interesting for me to see who's guarding Jalen Brunson uh, from a Miami perspective. And then the rest of the matchups, how they kind of figure out. Because it, 
the heat and the and the the heat and the Knicks, they get to the they get to the paint well, kind of similar. I, I, so it I might expect be... them to go. I expect them to go zone. I expect them to go zone here because you can't put Jimmy. You know, you can't put Jimmy just on Jalen Brunson. You can't put Jimmy just on RJ Barry. You can't just put Jimmy on Julius Randle. But Jimmy is clearly their best defensive player, and mm-hmm. he's their best offensive player. So they're gonna have. To, I, I think the Knicks have an advantage as far as being able to attack their players and their athleticism. I think, you know, whether it's quickly RJ bear Randall, the uh, heart and all of those guys. However, you know, I mean, I, I think coach Spo is going to have a great game plan. I mean that, that I know uh, what he's going to choose to do. I'm just guessing off the top. He'll probably have to go zone. Um, he's going to, but zone a lot of times doesn't allow you to rebound defensively rebound. And Mitchell Robinson is an elite offensive rebounder. So we'll see um, how this plays out. But I expect this to be a very physical, physical series. And But overall, I think the Knicks have an advantage because they just have more able bodies at this point in, during the season. Yeah, and I feel like when you look at the team, the when we talk about the um, unlikely contributions, I just look at it like the Knicks have more guys, whether it's a Josh Hart or whether it's an RJ Barrett or whether it's a Emmanuel Quickly coming off the bench or whoever it might be. They have more guys that can give them that added boost in comparison to the Heat who have been so reliant upon Jimmy Butler through this playoff run so far. I know Duncan Robinson's contributed, but Tom Thibodeau is going to find a way to take that away. Uh, for what it's worth, the Knicks won three of these teams' four matchups during the course of the regular season. Obviously, that means nothing when you get to the playoffs, but is just something worth bearing in mind um, as you get into it. And um, it's going to be an interesting matchup for sure. Expecting it to be very physical. BJ, what's your favorite memory when you think of the Knicks versus the Heat? Because they've had some battles over the years. Well, one, you know, you always had Pat Riley and his you know, time in New York, being a, 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 a native New Yorker. So the, 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 the energy was always in the building, right? You had Jeff Van Gundy, you had Pat Riley. There are a lot of New Yorkers who live in the Miami area. It's on the East Coast. And you just had two very competitive teams. Both of them were really good teams in, the, in that era. You know, you had Lonzo Mourning and Tim Hardaway and Charlie Ward and Marcus Camby and Allen Houston. So those were those were very competitive. Well, times and um so i expect this like i said i expect this to be very competitive however i think the knicks do have an advantage now we got to go out there and see how it's going to play out but i'm expecting a very good series if anything i think it's going to be kind of a throwback kind of series because you know both of them are going to play a physical brand of basketball absolutely so the reason why i asked is um the miami heat are the only the sixth ever number eight seed to advance into the second round and one of those teams who was an eight seed that advanced to the second round was the 1999 New York Knicks, who advanced past the Miami Heat in that first round on an Allen Houston game winner. That series is one of my favorites, because if you guys don't know about 90s basketball, go and look it up, because it's the one in which there was a fight and Jeff Van Gundy, who was the coach at the time before he was a commentator, he was the coach of the Knicks. He was clinging, We're not talk about the game. He was clinging to Alonzo <laughs> Morning's leg 
like a child. It it might be one of the funniest fights I've ever seen. More like a child. Alonzo Mourning's like 6'10". This guy's like That's why everyone looks like a child next to him. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. He's like like a child. Like the guy's 5'2", 130 pounds, right? I I just want to give context, you know, for fans who are new to the sport and they they don't know. It's just a funny moment that they can go and look up on YouTube and see that. Because when the first time, I remember the first time I ever saw that clip, I found it absolutely hilarious. Um, But that was in the wild 90s. I don't expect any fights of that nature to be going on in this series. But I'm really looking forward to this one. I'm really looking forward to this one because there is the unexpected factor of Jimmy Butler just doing whatever he wants um, anytime he's on the court. So that's the first game. And then following that, we have the Golden State Warriors versus the Sacramento Kings in a game seven, win or go home, winner takes all matchup in Sacramento where the Cowboys will be ringing. The beam is on standby, ready to be lit. Uh, I think they've got to get a super beam out if they win tonight. They've got to double the strength of it. They need to see that on Mars. Um, Who do you like for this game seven B? Um, I I don't know. I this is game seven. <laughs> this is game seven. It's anybody's game. Okay. This is you know if you want to if you want to utilize reason and logic. Okay. Then the Warriors should win. Why? Because they have the experience. Steph Curry. Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, these guys have been in situations like this before. They have a championship pedigree, championship level coach, da-da-da, da-da-da. You can go on and on and on and on. Now, the Sacramento Kings, they lose three games. They lose three games in a row, I might add, in this series. And a lot of people thought they might be done. Okay. They They make a move. They go and, and Mo. I I knew they had to make some move. Now, what move they make? They said, and here's the thing, Mo. You've heard me say it. I'm going to say it for the last time because I can only say it one more time. What's your counter to everything? Let's just play faster. So that's <laughs> what they did. When just Mo, when you just when you thought they couldn't possibly get any faster, any fast. they took so their one remaining goes, big off the floor. It said, "Let's just play faster." What else you going to do, Coach? Let's just play faster. And as he loves to say, get them things up. So, <laughs> so now luckily for them, those things went down and they won in game six. Trey Lyles and the, these guys, they just played faster. And that was the key to the game. I've said it before the series. They play the Warriors brand of basketball better than the Warriors do right now. Okay. Now, I don't know what the Warriors are going to do. However, however, it appears to me that offensive rebounding is a key and they have to get the right matchups. It's just going to be a battle of the wheels. If they can't keep the off, they can't keep the Kings off the offensive rebound, that's a problem. The Kings the, um, yeah. averaging 17.5 second chance points throughout the series so far. They're also okay. winning the battle of points in the paint and fast break points. Okay. Now, in addition to that, the Warriors are going to have to limit their turnovers. So turnovers is going to be key. I'm going to be looking out for. I'm going to be looking out for offensive rebounds on the other end. And then something that I definitely know they're doing. Okay. I definitely know they're doing is... You know, there's a term that they say they want to get paint touches. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
paint touches mean our offense is to get in the paint and then spray the ball, meaning pass it, driving kick. They call it spraying. That's what they call it. And they're targeting one particular player in their half-court offense, and that is Kevon Looney. So we're going to see how this is going to play out. Obviously, the more shots you make, the better your game plan has a chance to work. And we're just going to see. I expect the Warriors... I expect the Warriors to be at their best. I expect them to come out like champions. I expect them to handle this the way, you know, they know how. And if you ask me, I'm just going to say the Warriors. But truly, everyone can talk tough now. Well, we know this. We've been here before, all those things. Let me tell you something. I've been in a few game sevens. You can't tell me that the Warriors aren't concerned. You can't tell me that the Warriors feel like they just have confidence. This is anybody's game. Why, ladies and gentlemen, am I saying that? It's because the three-point basket, the three-point ball is a real thing. Because you can be up 10 now in a game like this, and in four shots, it's over. It ain't safe on the block. Okay, nothing is safe in a game like this because of the way both of these teams play. In particular... The, the Sacramento Kings. So I'm just going to look for the obvious, the obvious turnovers. I'm going to look for offensive rebounding, and then I'm going to see how they're going to limit the other team's ability to just to pay faster because it's Sacramento. It's clear to me what they're doing. They're can just going to play faster. Can I ask if, you, if that's their goal. we've seen in many game sevens throughout the course of NBA history, We've seen unlikely heroes. For example, Grant Williams so, in Game 7 against Milwaukee. Can you give me a name of an unlikely hero that you think might cause a stir in tonight's game? Well, I'm going to tell you so, uh, a guy who keeps showing up and and he's unlikely because don't, we don't say his name. Keegan Murray. He Keegan took, Murray. He got five offensive rebounds and took about three or four charges in the last game. And he made some threes. Now, Keegan Murray... You know, no one's really saying his name, but he's quietly, after struggling in the first two games or so. He's a rookie. Natural. That's okay. This is a valuable experience for this young man, and he's showing up. Now, it's going to be either Keegan Murray or Harrison Barnes. Oh, that would be be heartbreaking for Warriors fans if it was Harrison Barnes. It's going to be one. It's going to be one of them. I I think those guys, because they need – one of those guys to play well to have a chance to win this game because Herder, Herder to me, his contribution is going to be on the defensive end. He's got to, he's got to be respectable on the defensive end. We know Trey Lyles has to come in and be aggressive on the offensive end. Why? Because he's got to keep Kevon Looney and Draymond Green honest Mm -hmm. so that they can get their paint touches or whatever they want to call them. Right touch the paint or in spray the ball, whatever it is they call it. <laughs> we know that. Okay. So Herder or Trey Lyles have to keep the defense honest. Now, what is coach Kerr going to do? Is he going to go zone? Is he going to live with Trey Lyles thinking that, that moment is too big for him? I don't know. But what I do know is that they have to take care of that basketball. 
I think Coach Kerr is going to have to really shorten his bench. I think this is 40 minutes plus for Those Draymond. Clay. I think it's 40 minutes plus for Clay, for Steph Curry, okay, Wiggins. and who Wiggins, I think. And now whoever else. I, I don't if it's if Poole isn't going early, I think he's not gonna if it's 40 minutes for Jordan Poole, the Kings will win in this game. Surely. I, 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 yeah, but I, I just I just don't see because and here's why I say this with Poole. If you have those four guys on the floor with Draymond or Kavon Looney, and I target Draymond or Kavon Looney in our offense, now your offensive rebounders will be Clay, Jordan Poole. And Steph Curry, that's not going to work. And it, Jordan so, Poole isn't. He's he's been shooting like twenty thirty percent on from the field. He's not scoring. He's not a defender. He doesn't offer size. It, all you need is one game. Timing is everything. He could come out and have a game, and then all of a sudden, he Jordan could be the Poole's unexpected back. hero. Hey, he could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So we don't know what's going to happen. But what I do know is that Sacramento has a plan. Mm-hmm. Sacramento has found something that they can execute in their half-court offense, which they couldn't find in games three, four, and five. Game six, they discovered something. Oh, wow. We can target Kavon Looney in particular. Okay. Monk. This kid, Fox, has been terrific, and they figured that out. So now it just comes down to who's going to execute better. Mm-hmm. And Mo. I, I couldn't tell you because they're both playing the same way, except Sacramento just does it better. They do it better. Listen to what I'm saying. You have Steph Curry, and I'm telling you, Sacramento does the Warriors thing better than they do it right now mm-hmm. on the offensive end. So we'll see. We'll 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 see. We'll see who can impose their will on this game. Now I know Steph Curry is going to be Steph Curry. Clay Thompson, you know, he, he he he's very capable. And I don't know who else for them. I don't know who else for them. Right? I, I'm not looking for Wiggins to have a 25, 30-point game. I'm not looking for Draymond or Kevon Looney to have a 20-point a game. I don't know. Is it Moody? I don't know who's going to do it. But they're going to need a significant contribution mode that we're going to say, Oh wow! I Dante Divincenzo, stand up. Jonathan Kaminga, stand up. Someone's got to do it. Someone's got to do it. Somebody's got to do it. But uh, there's only one way to find out. But and I want to say this last thing. I want to say this last thing. All right. This is why you. This is this game right here. Whether they win or lose the game, Sacramento. This is why the regular season matters. Mm Hmm. Your, that atmosphere tomorrow night, Mo, is going to be off the charts, okay? They're going to have the cowbells. You're not going to be able to hear yourself think, and I'm going to tell you something. Now, the Warriors are as battle-tested as anyone in the league, <laughs> okay? Mm-hmm. But that's going to be tough to overcome. I don't I, Even for the Warriors, I mean, Mo, you're not going to even be able to hear yourself think. And that's going to be a factor. You just hope that it's not a factor to where they run you out of the building. Well, the Warriors faced this in the finals last season in in the TD Garden because that service crowd was so loud you couldn't hear anything. So that's loud, but it's not like 
slot. This one is a little different. This one is okay. All right. This one is this one is better than the Celtics. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Yeah, okay. And then I'm gonna tell you what's better than than this one. The Knicks. Oh man. It, 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 there's there's levels to this. Celtics is good. They're really good. Don't get me wrong. It's good. It's loud here, bam. But to Sacramento, I would tell you another good crowd too is the Utah Jazz. Jazz have a good, they have a great time. They have a great crowd. Jazz, I mean, it gets loud in there. It's probably because that's the only thing you can do in Utah that's remotely fun. I, I, I don't know what it is, but <laughs> it's, it's, it's very, very loud. In there. But Sacramento tomorrow is going to be, it's going to be popping. Okay, I, I can tell you that. I can't wait. I can't wait. And the best part is that we've just got two, um, two nice and early games on tomorrow night. Uh, means that I, in fact, get an early night and some sleep. So I'm looking forward to it. Well, let's get it. Let's let, let's well, take advantage. I'll of probably be so excited after a game seven that I can't sleep for days. But stay with us because we'll be back tomorrow with another episode recapping everything that happens and letting you know about Monday night because on Monday night we've got the Celtics and the Sixers getting underway and we have an important update on Joel Embiid which we'll talk about tomorrow. So make sure you guys stay locked in. Share with your friends. Um, leave a review and all that good stuff. And most importantly, get buckets.